0: von grissom of atlanta and dl hall of baltimore debuted over the weekend let's break down those appearances and then talk a little bit more baltimore orioles on today's locked on mlb prospects you are locked on mlb prospects part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And prospect debuts over the weekend would have gotten to it yesterday, but obviously Mailbag Monday comes first. We give people what they want on this show. But the Atlanta Braves, uh, second base is seemingly cursed for them. Ozzie Albies is out for probably until September with that foot injury, and they've rotated through other guys. Um, the corpse of Robinson Cano they tried um just orlando Arcia uh bunch just bunch of guys a adrianza like went and traded for him to get him back, tried a bunch of guys there and in- injuries and effectiveness, things like that, so they call up new number one prospect, von Grissom, after they called up Michael Harris, and Grissom and Harris kind of similar right, so both of them. 2019 picks, kind of later. One was 5th, one was 11th round. But then also, guys that started the year off in their first taste of A, And so, d- didn't have a ton of time in A before skipping AAA coming straight to the bigs. It worked with Michael Harris. He was there all year. Um, he looked the part in A, but when he got called up, very much was a risk. You know, 50 or so games. In double A. Von Grissom was promoted to double A uh earlier in the season and so had even less time at double A uh, than Harris did. But so far it's worked out. And caveat, it's a very small sample size. But uh, you know, so so Von Grissom uh five games so far. I'm not counting Monday night's Braves Mets game because they were in a rain delay, Still so don't quite know what's gonna happen there. So five games, 20 played appearances, for Von Grissom, 18 at-bats, seven hits, a double, and two home runs. He's got four RBIs. He stole a base, two walks to five strikeouts. The slash line, not that it matters, it's a five-game sample, 389, 457, 78. The big thing here is, you know, being 6'3", 210, being a bigger guy, there was a question about whether or not he could stick it short. He's playing second right now because you have Dansby Swanson, but I think You're giving what I love about this. I feel like a lot of teams would pay a ton of money for this situation right here. The Atlanta Braves have a decision to make this offseason on Dansby Swanson. He is a free agent. Presumably, they have offered him the same kind of below-market deal that everybody else took already. Um, Austin Riley, most, most recently, but most notably, Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna. And so... A lot of this team is locked up. You've got Eddie Rosario for another year or two in the outfield. Michael Harris is obviously six years of control. Ronald Acuna is around for another eight years or so. Infield, Matt Olson's around for eight years. Ozzie Albies has, I think, seven years left on that deal. Austin Riley just signed for 10 years. And so the question was, what do you do with Dansby Swanson? And what I like is now you get presumably a month until Ozzie Albies comes back. You have a month window to view Von Grissom in the big leagues against big league pitching so that you can say, okay, is he ready to take over as our starting shortstop next year? Do we need to sign a bridge guy, a veteran to come in for a year? Or do we need to re-sign Dansby and look at moving Von Grissom to left field or something? So, It's invaluable experience you're getting right now. Um, Teams would pay a ton of money for the ability to do this uh, with every single player, get this kind of info. So definitely going to watch that. And then D.L. Hall got called up to start on Saturday by the Baltimore Orioles against the Rays. The number two pitching prospect in that system behind Grayson Rodriguez and the number three prospect in that system behind Gunnar Henderson, uh, our, our bestie, our favorite prospect, Gunner Henderson. And it was mixed results. So three and two thirds innings against the race, five hits, five runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. And I think a big thing here is so he's got tons of tools, right? Like we we've had this conversation and a little bit later, I'm actually going to play the rest of a conversation I had Thursday night with Connor Newcomb, host of Locked On Orioles. We talked about D.L. Hall versus Grayson Rodriguez. We talked Gunnar Henderson. And then because I call I cover Auburn baseball for Sports Illustrated, we also talked about their draftee, Trace Bright, who pitched at Auburn and is now in the Orioles system. So that's all coming after the break. But this start, three and two-thirds, five hits, five runs, three walks, six strikeouts. And the thing here. We knew that DL Hall had a ton of tools, like fantastic velo for a lefty, had a lot of weapons. The thing was, and I mean, and you could kind of see this when you go back and you watch this. This start was it was it was control. Like he had to, he had to. Uh, I'm sorry, command. He had to not throw, not walk so many guys. Walked three guys in the game, and he really got kind of done wrong. I mean, some of these. He gave up two hard hit balls, but he had like two kind of two hits soft until like a sh- like away from a shift. I mean, really wasn't, wasn't all on him. So all in all, I loved what I saw as far as the stuff and how it played against big leaguers. I mean, three and two thirds, struck out six guys. The stuff is there. I feel like a lot of pitching prospects that first outing you're going to struggle with the command and the control because you're so amped up. I mean, he was drafted five years ago and he was so excited to make it to the big leagues. Um, So I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to reach his potential. We won't see what he can do as a starter until next year because the Orioles have decided that they actually want to send him to AAA Norfolk, convert him into a reliever for the rest of this season. Now, this is obviously something that we have seen work Fine, the Braves did this with Mike Soroka. Uh, The Dodgers did this with Walker Buehler. I'm now, as I say this, beginning to realize maybe those aren't the best examples. But plenty of teams have done this, where you bring a top prospect up, you let them pitch out of the bullpen in the stretch run. Um, You know, they can take a a couple innings if they're still stretched out. Uh, But it's a little bit of a lower, lower stress and an easier way to acclimate to big league hitting before you then have them prepare to be a starter coming out of spring training. So I'm confident his stuff is going to play. I think the the big thing here is, in their mind, this is going to kind of cap his innings. This is the first time in three years he's had to play a full season. You know, 2021, he threw 31 and two-thirds innings. He didn't have a 2020 season and 2019 he only threw 80 innings. And so when you look at right now, he's already at 77 plus innings when you count um a little bit of time in high A, double A and then the majority of it, you know, his 18 starts in triple A. So you give him a chance to lower the workload a bit. I like it provided that he gets to go back to starting next year. So We'll see what happens, but either way, really impressed. The fastball looked good. Uh, The second inning, I think, was kind of a like a encapsulates what DL Hall can be. Right, uh, three strikeouts, strikes out the side on twelve pitches. Um, One, you know, one punchy's on a fastball. One's on a changeup. Third one's on another fastball. I think so. Like that second inning is a microcosm of. This is what he can be. He can be a callback to yesterday's show. He can be a number two for you. I'm not going to call anybody a number one pitcher. He can be a number two for you when he's on. It's just a matter of of um, keeping that command where you're not walking too many guys. I mean, he walked, what is it? Uh, in in AAA, 70 innings, he walked 44 guys. I mean, five and a half walk, walks per nine innings too high needs to be significantly lower to be to to truly be a number two Uh, if he keeps walking that many guys it's going to be a number three kind of situation but in just a minute I'm going to bring you the conversation uh, with Connor great conversation again we talked Trace Bright uh, their draft pick guy that I covered here at Auburn last year and then we go into talking about some of the prospects we talk of Gunnar Henderson we talk D.L. Hall versus Grayson Rodriguez interesting conversation but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bilt Bar. If you have not tried the Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you are really depriving yourself. Again, it is, it is a great joy and there is a new flavor. It is delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. So this, the cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture with real cookie dough chunks. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, and it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are 160 calories, only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to Built.com to snag a box for you and your family. It's the perfect treat. If you want to just find a good hiding place and stash them for yourself, I that is perfectly fine. You have our permission. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15, new promo code here, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com.
1: All right, so for the first time, we welcome Lindsey Crosby into the show. He is the host of Locked On MLB Prospects here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and if you listen to his pod, you will hear a good amount about the Orioles, of course, being one of the top pro- prospect systems in all of baseball. And, Lindsay, first of all, thank you so much for hopping on Locked on Orioles for your first time. Very
0: very glad to be here. Like you said, we talked the Orioles a ton. Uh, fun fact, the favorite prospect of this pod is
1: actually Gunnar Henderson. So there you go. And, and you know, we learned that he's the favorite prospect of Baseball America earlier this week as well when they ranked him number one. We're going to get to that in a bit, but I actually wanted to start with kind of continuing our draft coverage here on the podcast. We try to profile everybody that the Orioles select and sign, which means we won't be talking about uh, Nolan McLean and others, unfortunately, Here on this podcast. But next up is Trace Bright. And this is kind of the perfect situation here, Lindsay, because not only can we have you on to talk Orioles prospects, but you were covering Auburn baseball this spring, where Bright uh, had a great third season with the Auburn Tigers before the Orioles selected the right-hander in the fifth round. He, you know, had a 5-1-3 ERA, but did get better. As the season went on, 94 Ks in about 80 innings. So kind of, you know, from someone who watched him throw a lot this spring, what are the Orioles getting in what ended up being the highest pitcher that they were able to draft and sign in this year's draft?
0: So Trace is very much a greater than the stats kind of guy. He's one of those pitchers that, so cons first, doesn't necessarily have an out pitch. You know, he's got a fastball, sits Mid-90s, velocity's fine. It sometimes fades a little bit late in games. Um, has a curveball and a slider, but both of them don't have, um, like the slider has like a short, firm break to it. Doesn't necessarily have a ton of movement on it. The curveball is a 12 to 6, which I absolutely love 12 to 6 curveballs because you, you can attack both lefties and righties with them. Um, And then a changeup that's kind of inconsistent. Good fade when it's on, but kind of inconsistent. The big thing that I do love about Trace Bright is he understands how to mix the pitches up and he knows how to react when one of them isn't there. He knows how to get outs with the other ones. And if you kind of go back and you look into some of the starts and you look at some of the games that he did at Auburn, you'd have an interesting situation where he's cruising through four or five and then he gives up a couple runs at the end. Or what's even worse is he leaves a couple guys on and the reliever allows a couple to score. So some of those runs that you see from him are inherited runners. Some of the runs that you see are, are you know, very end of the game or they have they have a big lead and he's just eating some innings. But overall, very good pitcher and understanding. And you can see at his time at Auburn and has he progressed. His sophomore year was thrown into starting, probably wasn't ready. Uh, and then with one of the more consistent starters all season for Auburn, uh, his junior year, just really understands pitching and understands how to gets out, uh, how to get outs, and has the the mental, uh, the mental side of it there.
1: You, you mentioned that slider shape, and and you know that's a pitch that we've seen a lot recently. Now more guys kind of going back to the sweeper kind of, not going back to the sweeper, kind of adding that sweeper slider. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see different kind of sliders out there. But you know, what did kind of the fastball velo look like throughout this year, and what does the rest of the arsenal do? For Trace, because you mentioned that, you know, he doesn't really have that, you know, go-to out pitch. So, you know, for some guys like that, I know it's more about using that full arsenal. So what does that look like for him?
0: Yeah, going back through my notes I have here in my Auburn baseball notebook, um, you know, he he typically sits 94, 95. Uh, he, he does excel, something he doesn't get enough credit for is he does excel at taking something off of a fastball when he knows you're sitting fastball. If he's in a count where like he has to throw a fastball for a strike and he can he can throw a lot of his pitches on either side of the plate for a strike. But the fastball is the one he has the best control of. He's good at taking just a little bit off, maybe a 93 so that you, you know, you might make contact, but you might swing over it. You might, you know, not get a, a solid hit, but he sits around 94, 95. The good thing is I do think. Six four one ninety nine. He does have the frame where he it's projectable a bit. He can add a little bit more muscle, add a little bit more velo, and he is a very good athlete. So I could see that increasing by a couple miles an hour in the big leagues.
1: And then you know, in terms of the command and the walks, I mean, it's not a crazy terrible number. You'd like it to be a little lower than about four point two walks per nine that he had this year. What do you kind of look at it in terms of command because you know, it did get a little bit worse, actually, from his, you know, first full season in 21 to 2022. Now, you know, he threw 30 more innings as well. And, you know, he, he was pitching in bigger spots. But is the command a concern at all for him? So the
0: command, not necessarily. A, a, a big thing that Auburn focused on with the pitching staff is understanding that a lot of extra base hits at that level are thrown, not hit. Uh, The extra base hit came around because you put the ball in a bad spot. You miss, but you, you know, and you can miss, you're allowed to miss. But when you miss middle, middle, you're asking for trouble. And so a lot of what Trace tried to focus on was living on the outside of the plate. So a lot of those walks came from, he's like, okay, I'm going to throw this curveball and I'm aiming to catch the outside corner. And if I miss, I'm going to miss outside. I'd rather walk him than you know, let him get a base hit with a guy on third. So some of it was deliberate. There is some room for improvement, and you're right. The, the n- raw numbers by themselves don't look great, but a lot of it was just trying to make sure that if you made a mistake, you weren't going to get punished for it uh, because that's was kind of the story of his 2021 season was just, you know, missing, but missing, you know, when he leaves a fastball above the belt, that's where a hitter can really do damage with it. He does well pitching low. Um, Or when he misses a a slider and the slider misses middle middle versus missing outside, a hitter can do damage with it. So that was something that they specifically kind of worked on was if you're going to miss, miss away.
1: And he's an interesting guy because, you know, the Orioles took a pitcher in the fifth round in 2021 and Carlos Tavera, who was kind of a small school guy at UT Arlington, not facing the best competition, but had these gaudy numbers. Mm -hmm. This year in the fifth round, they go with Trace Bright, who not necessarily the numbers that jump off the page, but, pitching in the SEC every weekend, facing the best hitters in college baseball, and has the underlying numbers and I'm sure, you know, the track man statistics that uh, want the Orioles obviously to jump all over him. So my last thing on Bright is, you know, with Nolan McLean not signing, you know, we weren't sure if he was going to be a two-way player with the O's or maybe just be a pitcher, but Bright becomes the top drafted pitcher by the Orioles this year. What does kind of the ceiling you think look like for him? Because obviously the O's would love for him to be a starter at the big league level, but what do you think that, you know, kind of top one or 2% outcome for him looks like? I think
0: top one or 2% is probably, you know, a number three or four. Most realistic is probably a four or five. Uh, Something where having a strong trio of secondaries that you can throw for strikes gives you a legitimate starters arsenal and you have the frame and you're an athlete like you said, the the walk rate's a little high. I think his first career, it's about 10%, um, you know, and then missing with the, you know, getting that fastball location a little better. And then just not having a carrying pitch does kind of limit the ceiling a bit, but I do see him as somebody, you know, number four, number five can go out there and pitch 140 innings for you in a season and be that guy to take the ball every fifth day. That was the big thing for Auburn. I think he was the only starter uh, to pitch every weekend, from the beginning of the season to the end. So that's the big thing is availability is a skill uh, and trace bright is an athlete that can compete uh, and ultimately can throw strikes.
1: And, 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 you know, getting into the Orioles system you know, we'll see what they want to do with him as well. You know, you never know because in Arsenal in college could look a little different once a major league team uh, get your hands on them. As well, But we'll get back to our chat with Lindsey Crosby in just a second. Talk more about the current Orioles system. Guys like Gunnar Henderson and uh, who Lindsey likes in one of the top systems.
0: We're going to get back to our chat with Connor in just a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Betaline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs, your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You get reviews and news of every league, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, esports. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, scores, whatever it is they have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts.
1: And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.net. The fastest and easiest way to check in On all your betting needs, you can find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And you can find news on every league. It's not just Major League Baseball, of course, getting into the playoff run. But we've got the NFL coming soon, the NBA and the NHL right behind it. And every weekend, of course, there's combat sports, there's esports, and even golf as well. And Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for everything for your sports wagering needs. So head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at Bet Online, where the game starts. So we're here with Lindsey Crosby, the host of Locked On MLB Prospects here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Lindsey, this was a perfect time to have you on because not just did we want to talk about Trace Bright and his time at Auburn, but exciting time for the Orioles with a whole lot of new prospect lists coming out this week from the different outlets. I think the craziest one I did see was Prospects Live put out theirs on Thursday. Mm -hmm. They had eight Orioles in their top 100, eight in the top 100. Now, that is kind of the top of the line. But where I want to start, of course, is Gunnar Henderson. Baseball America named him the new number one prospect in baseball on Monday. And so I pose you the question, do you agree with Baseball America? Do you think Gunnar Henderson is the top prospect in baseball? And if not? Where do you think he kind of falls in among the other top players in the minor leagues right now?
0: To me, he's definitely, like, you can't argue that he's not at least a top three. I do think he's number one. I've seen people who have him two or three. But I think when you can look at the performance that he's put up, um, he has a 151 WRC plus. Uh, he's th- it's third highest among all hitters in AAA that have at least 200 at-bats. And he's also one of the hit, the youngest players in A. So, I mean, like on the season, slash line of 300, 427, 546, on pace for a 2020 season for home runs and stolen bases. Uh, it's something where like, as the prospect apparatus, as the industry, we throw around the words five-tool player way too much. We say it way more than we should. Gunnar Henderson's one of the few people that legitimately – Looks like he has five tools. Uh, now, the thing is, none of them are like the best in baseball. He's not the most powerful hitter. He doesn't have the best contact tool or the best arm, but he is above average to plus at everything. Uh, and he's a lot more valuable and deserving of a number one prospect spot if he stays at short, if he does move to third, which I think may or may not be possible. Part of that depends on the other guys around him. Uh, but. He still profiles to be, I think, uh, somebody who will contend for all-star games and to be a star in MLB. Uh, uh, we are big fans of Gunnar Henderson here on Locked MLB Prospects. And fun fact, and this is unrelated to loving Gunnar Henderson, he was drafted by the Orioles in 2019 while committed to go to Auburn.
1: He's, uh, you know, what could have been, what, what yeah. could have been him in the middle of that Auburn Tigers lineup? Maybe they... Mm-hmm take home a title uh, in Omaha the last couple of years if they've got Gunnar Henderson, but the Orioles were happy to get him, you know, sign him out of high school. And now, you know, he's just been one of the fastest risers in all of minor league baseball. And it was, you know, great to see him, even at the end of last year when he got up to double A people start to take notice. And then all of a sudden he starts the year double A, he just shoots through the system. You know, he's hitting basically just as well at triple A he's hit lefties even better at triple A. He talked about that in an article in the Baltimore sun this week. Saying that you know he had some bad numbers against lefties in Double A, and he basically said, mm-hmm. "I see more consistent lefties in Triple A. It's the most consistent lefties I've seen." And he basically was like, "That's why I'm better because I'm seeing them more." So it's almost just like he just had to get used to some left-handers. It wasn't like he's you know he got this big hole in his swing, and that's another reason why he is the number one prospect. But you know, yeah, the Orioles I actually have... pulled the. Oh,
0: sorry, I actually pulled the splits for him, and as of Wednesday. One third of all of his at-bats in in AAA have been lefties. He has an 813 OPS against lefties, significantly better than when he was in Bowie uh, and something where, I mean, Tim Gibbons has talked about it. Like he specifically has worked on hitting lefties. He's also cut his strikeout rate from 30% to 20% year over year. um, And he's lowered his swinging strike by about 2%. And so I know that there's some folks who are asking for him to get called up now. But know that while he's in Norfolk with Tim Gibbons, he has legitimately been getting significantly better at the game of baseball.
1: We love Tim Gibbons on this podcast. Frankly, the coaching staff in Norfolk, I think, is one of the best around the minors with Buck Britton, who in the next 10 years or maybe less is going to be a big league manager. Less than 10. Justin Ramsey has been just outstanding working with these Orioles pitchers. And then Mm -hmm. Tim Gibbons is kind of the guy who goes a little under the radar uh, just because he's not as front-facing as those other two guys, but he does a great job uh, with the hitters as well. Now, this Orioles system is stacked, as I said. I mean, shout out to, to Prospects Live, our maybe our new uh, number one favorite Prospect publication here on the podcast if are putting eight Orioles in their new top 100 on Thursday. But they've got a long list of those guys, and among the guys who are kind of around that Orioles top 10, you know, who is your next – favorite guy to watch in the Oriole system. Give me give me a pitcher and, and give me another hitter not named Gunnar Henderson, who you're excited for not just, you know, watching him on MILB TV, but you're excited to, to get him to Baltimore.
0: Okay, uh, Kyle Stowers, the outfielder, we'll go with that with the outfielders first. So he's a guy, a 2019 second rounder out of Stanford. And it was something where the story there was great exit velo, he's got power potential. Um, and then the question was, how well would he hit? Uh, it's something where when you watch him swing, I mean, it is violent. It is fun to watch because you can imagine the baseball exploding when he hits it. Um, but he's, he's gotten better at the actual job of hitting. The thing we talk about a lot of my, on my podcast is powers only as good as your hit tool is. And he's gotten significantly better at that. He's, he's, uh, he's cut his strikeout rate down about 9% this year from last year, swinging strike rate is low. And specifically, the thing he's worked on that makes me excited to see him debut soon, if he does, is working with Velo up in the zone. The elevated fastball is such a big part of MLB right now. And so he specifically, and Tim, shout out Tim Gibbons for helping him with this, but specifically has gone and worked on um, handling velocity up in the zone and worked on less chasing out of the zone. And so I think he can place play field in a pinch. you got Cedric Mullins. You put him into right field with that plus arm he has, that good speed he has, and it's something where I think he has the potential to be much better than you know the 10th or 11th best prospect in the system when it's all said and done. I think he has the potential to be a top three or four player as the system stands right now.
1: Yeah, and, and Kyle Stowers we talk about a lot on this podcast because he's had over 400 plate appearances in A now. He was the co-minor league player of the year for the Orioles last year with uh, you may have heard of him, Adley Rutschman. Uh, <laughs> that so, guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, Orioles fans, especially after trading Trey Mancini, opened up some at-bats on this major league team, a team that is competing for a playoff spot right now. And it just feels, you know, he, he's got 18 homers now. You know, he's he's got, I think, almost 50 extra base hits at this point uh, in AAA. It's just time to get him to the big leagues. He might not play every day because the Orioles still have Hayes, Mullen, Santander pretty much locked down in the outfield. But between DH and giving those guys a day off, you can play Stowers four to five times a week and make your team better right now. He's just, he's, he's maxed out on what he can do at AAA, but mm-hmm. turn to the pitchers because we know the Orioles have two high-level pitching prospects right now. So I'm assuming this question is, are you a Grayrod guy or are you a DL Hall guy?
0: So I am a, I think gray, Grayson Rodriguez is great. He's a lovely person. Uh, I'm excited to see what he'll do. Give me some DL Hall, a lefty who can hit 100 miles an hour with a plus slider. Give me that guy seven days a week and Sunday after church. Um, I I mean, I think that ceiling great, you know, Grayson Rodriguez has a higher ceiling, absolutely has a higher ceiling. He looks like he legitimately could pot- potentially be a number one pitcher, an ace, which you only, you know, you have maybe 12 of those in baseball. He look. He has the tools to do that. But D.L. Hall is tons of fun to watch. I think at this point, you know so much about him. Worst case scenario, you're looking at uh, a high leverage late inning reliever, a closer type, but just, I mean, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, he's, I mean, he sits 97 on that thing. He can touch triple digits. The the slider is a plus pitch. Curveball is slower. I wish it, it was a little more vertical. It's a little kind of two-plane, and it doesn't necessarily – Do exactly, you know, it it, it's not great either direction, just make it more vertical and go all for it. But um, and then work on the change a bit, but I just love watching Deal Hall pitch. So to me, despite the injuries, I think Deal Hall is the guy. Um, he's on the 40-man roster, so you can call him up. Uh, and all it takes is a 25-man roster move. So I want to see Deal Hall get a cup of coffee at the end of the year this year.
1: Yeah, I, I Honestly, you know, had been on the train so long of call him up, have him be a starter immediately, starter immediately. But now that the, you know, he's not up yet and the Mm -hmm. Orioles are in a postseason race, I don't think it hurts to Adam Wainwright him, Mm -hmm. John Smoltz him, if you have to, because we saw him in big league spring training throw a couple innings out of the bullpen. He was just coming in facing big league lefties, 100, 100, 90 mile per hour slider, see you later. And, you know, if the Orioles could have that, at the back end of already a top five bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. And then you know what you do next year coming out of spring training, you move him back to a starter, but yep. for the last two months to get him in the big leagues, don't think it's a bad idea. But Lindsay, the last thing I wanted to ask you before you go is everybody's got those prospect crushes who, you know, aren't necessarily on everybody's mind, not necessarily those top five guys for me. I don't know if I'm stealing your guy, but I love Joey Ortiz. Uh, I called his games in summer ball five years ago when he was a little known prospect out of New Mexico state playing for a bad summer ball team, actually in Baltimore. And I said, this guy's going to be good. And Joey Ortiz, no one can get him out in double a right now. I was wondering if you had anybody in the Orioles system who's not, you know, the Henderson, the Rodriguez, the hall, you know, even the Jackson holiday who you feel like, you know what, this guy's going to surprise people and be a good big leaguer.
0: So for me, because I watch prospects all the time, I see so many guys that fit the conventional profile. So I am attracted to the guys that are, very outside of the mold. So the guy that I'm really excited, and he hasn't done much this year, the guy I'm really excited to watch is Jared Beck. So um, 13th rounder out of St. Leo, but the seven foot tall lefty. So, I mean, he he throws mid nineties. I could see him being a bullpen guy with a shorter stand. He has fantastic velocity for being so incredibly long and having such long levers. He's got good command despite that. Ah, uh, throw strikes. I think the player development staffs really going to kind of enjoy working with Jaren Beck, and I think that simply because of the unique angle that that fastball comes in on, um, he's going to cause a lot of problems. And it's something where I think we're all kind of looking at the velocity. Oh, he throws low to maybe mid nineties. He's not going to be effective. But when you think about the extension and how close that ball is to the plate when he releases it, and how it's going to play up. And then the unique approach angle. I think Jared Beck's going to be a guy that really can surprises a lot of people with how effective he can be out of the bullpen.
1: Lindsay, I'm six foot four and I can't wait to see Jared Beck in person for him to make me feel short. That's what I'm, that's what I'm most excited for when he uh, he gets up to full season ball, maybe up here in Aberdeen and uh, I can go take a peek at uh, Jared Beck. But Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find, uh, of course, your great podcast here on this very network.
0: I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. my show, Locked on MLB Prospects, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You know, we can find us on, on Twitter at Locked on Farm. If you have questions for the show, we do mailbags every single Monday. Everything in there comes from listeners. You can send it to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, or email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com.
1: Thank you so much, Lindsay, and uh, enjoy continuing to watch uh, some of the best young players in baseball. And a lot of them, luckily, reside in the Baltimore Orioles system. Thanks for having me. Oh um...